Yes, guys, welcome along to another episode of the We Talk Pool podcast. Uh, you know, season's done and dusted for another year, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, I joke. We, we miss football. No matter how bad our teams are, we always miss football. And uh, back again with Steve. All right. <laughs> How you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, all good, all good. Um, good. We're here to, you know, basically kind of re- a quick review of the season, see what went right, what went wrong, you know, what it all means, and like uh, give you the real team of the season, not the, not anyone else's one. This is the real one, you know, the experts yeah, one. <laughs> um, and yeah, but yeah, I think first place to start is a quick review and. Like how we finished yesterday, it was a bit of a dramatic end in the season, wasn't it? Oh, there was always going to be drama. <laughs> it's <always laughs> a ten-year anniversary since since the first title at City, isn't it? Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, there was a stage where I, I honestly thought that we were going to beat them, but um, I just yeah, you just didn't see it happening. And then Liverpool were losing for a while, and you were like, "What?" <laughs> but both both teams phenomenal. Both teams win. All the time. I think some stat came out about um, the amount of points Klopp wins compared to when Sir Alex Ferguson was winning the title. And like to not have as ma- as many titles as Liverpool should, I think it's just down to how good City are. I think it just shows how good those two are collectively yeah. compared to the league. Because yeah. like the fact that a, t- a man like Fergie, I saw something apparently he never won a title with more than ninety one points, and like I think Klopp in all of his seasons has got more than that. And there's only one one. Well, it's a weird one though because, like we've said before, how sort of maybe the top six is is so much more competitive than it used to be. But then, obviously, it, you'd expect that that would mean that teams like Man United back then would have had more points because mm. there wasn't as much competition. But maybe there was a higher average competition. It's just it's difficult to explain. But then also, one thing I would say is when you compare it to to Klopp, it's only real this season where domestically they've been competing on all fronts whereas in Klopp's tenure so far it's been just about the league whereas I think a lot of it with Man United sometimes the league will be wrapped up you could rotate a little bit you could try and fight on more fronts but I don't know it's a different time I feel like maybe the teams who are fighting for the title back then were losing maybe more games than they do now like City and Liverpool is near perfect you know what I mean it's it's ridiculous the standard is ridiculous and those two squads now are just absolutely phenomenal no, it's crazy. They're definitely the top two teams in the world at the moment. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, Real Madrid might have a word about that in, on the mm-hmm. weekend. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, moving on. European places, you know, we uh, we just missed out on Champions League. Um, and I never thought we'd get in the end, really. It was a bit of an ask to ask an already relegated team to beat Tottenham. And uh, But, yeah, we played our part. Yeah, two I point- mean, good results for both of you in terms of in isolation. Two very mm-hmm. good results, but... Um, I mean, I just had a feeling when we spoke about it before. I think we were six points ahead of the game in hand at one point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you have a feeling when you've got a Conte in that team, you've got a Kane and a Son. That's the difference because if you look throughout everyone else in the starting eleven, there's not really anything to split it. I don't think. No, I mean, I think that's the difference. I think um, I think it was Gabriel Bonahoy who said it. Like, the difference between Arsenal and Tottenham is they've got two world class players. We've got a very young squad. young squad. You've got a bit of a naive squad. You've got a squad that, um, to learn, need to suffer a little bit in moments. And I, I was listening to, I think it was Adrian Dunham or whatever his name is, on the radio. Um, he was talking to Andy Townsend and he was saying, this is a failure for Arsenal. But it's not. Like I think people need to understand in context, yes, okay, 
any other team is six points ahead uh, with a game in hand, it would be seen as a failure. But this was never the expectation. To be in that top four hunt to start with is an absolute success. And I think if it was a 40-game season, like it could have been the other way around. It's just, it, Do you know what I mean? It's just one of those things where I think inevitably quality will sort of overturn it. Yeah, I think um, I think if you look at it in individually in the last few weeks, then you'll say it's a failure this season. But if you look at it as a collective, especially what we were expected to get start the season, I think we definitely progressed. I mean, we finished three places higher than last year. I think we've had a bigger points tally this season uh, compared to last. Um, there's a bigger unity between the fans and the players, mm-hmm. like the crowd. It's, it's the best atmosphere I've seen at the Emirates, you know. Um, I think it's one of the best atmospheres in the league at the minute. You know, I, I can say I say that on my chest. Literally, I've never experienced it at the Emirates before. Um, well, listen, I, I used to go to the Emirates a lot, and and there was a negative sort of expectation that no matter what the players did on the pitch, there would be something that wasn't right. Mm. Whereas now you can see that it is one of the most positive atmospheres because you're almost there isn't that pressure, and you and and Arsenal have been doing well, and it's sort of like. We don't expect this, but the, 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 the trouble is it's now getting some experienced heads around, learning from this experience and sort of trying to push on because now with Europa League, um, now with Man United looking to strengthen, now with, you'd imagine, Spurs, Chelsea, there's going to be so much going on. Um, people can't then look at it next season if you finish sixth and be like, it's a failure or it, it needs to be in perspective of where you are and where the other teams are around you as well. Yeah, I mean, that that is got to be the key. I think even Arteta said it, like, we've got these younger players um, who obviously committed to the club at the minute, but now we've got a more, we need more experienced heads to take us to the next level because, and obviously we need a bigger squad. <laughs> that mm. got exposed very much near the end of the season at different patches as well. You know, you do have to wonder if we did have that bigger squad, Champions League probably would have been a guaranteed this year. Mm. Um, but, you know, we're, you know, youngest squad in the league, Two points off a Champions League place isn't bad at all, um, especially when a lot of people were saying, saying we wouldn't even make top 10, saying we had one of the worst transfer windows and, you know, and arguably we're probably one of the best if you consider some of the how well mm-hmm. some of our players played. Um, but yeah, and so yeah, fifth place for us. Mm-hmm. Man United just about got six. They had to rely on Brighton though to do it. Uh, it might slip- it's a strange one really for both of the clubs. I think... Um... I mean, it just shows that Man United are where they are. And it shows probably the toll that the emotional season's had on West Ham, really. And and that's no disrespect to Brighton. Brighton have been phenomenal this season. I think outside of maybe Eddie Howe and, and some of the Klopp and Guardiola, you'd probably be looking at Graham Potter as one of the managers of the season, really. Um, I think yeah, the for job sure, especially done, that first half of the season. Yeah, and it's their record. It's their record season. And I think as well, we talk about um, clubs trying to break into the top 10 and how there's not really a lot of wiggle room to get in there. Um, and we always associate teams like Wolves, Leicester, West Ham, Newcastle, maybe challenging for that. And and you wouldn't really put Brian in that conversation, but they've been terrific this season. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so Man United had to rely on them to get a Europa League place after they slipped up against Palace, meaning mm-hmm. West Ham in the Conference League. You know, I think their fans will still be happy. I think. Yeah, it's European, man. But I think again, it's you know, if you put it into context, I think start of the season they'd be happy with it. But if you go back to a certain stage of the season, 
maybe not because people were chatting that they were going to be in the Champions League at one point, you know, and they kind of probably because of the Europa League. We, I think me and you even said that they were probably going to start dropping points Trouble is they've had, as they went they've further. Had, they've had such a thin squad all season and we said that um, after the summer window. And I think the trouble is if you look at where they've been finishing the league, like they are slowly dropping down that league. Mm. And and it, it, it's almost like, again, you, you, I wouldn't be shocked next season if they weren't in the top seven or eight. I just wouldn't be because I think it takes serious strengthening, but then people have got to remember that everyone's strengthening and everyone's trying to get better and it's so competitive. I mean, Leicester this year, Leicester have been a team where okay, they've had a bit of a late flurry. I think Vardy's played 25 games and got 15 goals. So that shows you the importance of Jamie Vardy still. Yeah. Madison's had a good season in terms of stats when he's played, but when they've got a full-strength squad, even some of their players are a lot better than what West Ham have. But it's been one of them seasons where it's been a struggle for for a lot of teams because of their depth and, and in numbers, really. Yeah, yeah, that, that's definitely for sure. And a, a lot of teams around that, probably the top ten, will probably look to strengthen quite a lot in the summer. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, finally though, uh, relegation fight all the way to the last day, as well as the title. Mm. Burnley and Leeds battling out after Everton just scraped it on game week thirty seven. Mm. Uh, but yeah. Are we happy? <laughs> we, we were wrong anyway. We both said Leeds, didn't we? No, we well, said... I was listening back to that. We said we said Leeds are the hardest fixtures, but I did say um, I, was, I was listening to this because I wasn't sure what we said. Um, and we did actually say Burnley. Burnley are the most likely in terms of the size of the club and what they are. And you'd feel like if they go down, they'll stay in the championship. And they'll probably yeah. become a mid-table championship team. I know they've got a lot of financial struggles. I mean, at the time we spoke, I think Burnley were in a little bit of momentum, but I think they all were in their own little way. Yeah. Um, in terms of the atmosphere changing, but I think it's the right three to go down. If I'm honest, I think to be completely honest, that's probably the three I had at the start of the season. I think it was. Um, maybe not. Maybe someone we'll, else. We'll, we'll quote you on that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would have said that sort of order as well. Yeah. Um, but again, I think Leeds are in trouble next season, if I'm being honest, because I feel like I don't feel like they've stayed up because they've done really well. I think they've stayed up because Burnley have really dropped off. Um, but in the balance of things, I mean, we expected Everton to stay up because Everton have got that quality. Richarlison has been phenomenal um, in the run-in, really. Um, I think defensively, they're awful. But I think, and again, financially, they're in big trouble. So I think when you look at in perspective, yeah, you've stayed up now, but Leeds and Everton have got big seasons next season because there's three places that go down and those two financially, well, Leeds will be all right, but I just don't think they can compete. Leeds Leeds are, again, I've always said under Bielsa, had quite a small squad. He liked working with small players, a small amount of players, sorry. Um, And again, that needs thickening out. Most managers don't work in that fashion. Mm. I think it shows when they had a few key injuries as well, what happened to them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you don't want to be dodging it every season because inevitably it does sort of catch up on you. Hence, what we saw with Burnley now, we've seen with Sunderland in the past, and teams like this. So, Villa, yeah. yeah, I think um, it'll be tough for those teams to, you know, almost stay up because I think the ones coming up. Obviously, we only know two at the minute: Fulham and Bournemouth. Mm. Um, potentially, Forest or Huddersfield. I think they'll be. I, I think they could potentially stay up. 
those I, I can't see any of them definitely going down next year if you know what I mean like mm. um, I think they've definitely got the strength I, I mean, think Fulham and Bournemouth especially you'd expect they've, they've not long been in the Premier League anyway yeah but I think with Fulham it's always a bank that they're like this whole yo-yo club but I don't know I feel like there's a different feeling this year I think they've, they've got that experience now mm. that they know what, where's gone wrong what to do maybe not to spend so big on what they don't need um and then I think they'll be a lot more astute in the market. I definitely think they'll be a bit more smart with what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And I think Bournemouth have got an experienced head in Scott Parker as a manager. And then obviously the final place. I actually feel like Forest should do quite well. They've already shown that against Premier League teams that they can, you know I hope so. Play mm. quite well against them. So uh but obviously no guarantee they'll come up. The thing uh, is I feel I feel like if, if Forest come up, I feel like they're the sort of team that I think will do will do well in the first season and then it'll be about second season. That's that's just my instinct. When you look at Sheffield United, when you look at Leeds um, and these sorts of teams. Um, but I, I don't know what to expect from Huddersfield, if I'm being honest, because again, you would you would picture them as a club that wouldn't be able to compete with these Premier League teams. Yeah, for sure. Just like the last time they were up as well. well I think they've lost two in their last 28. So they're in, they're in good form coming into the game. Um and as soon as you come into the Premier League, it's a different ball game. So we we just don't know until the season starts. But I think Fulham and Bournemouth, you'd think have have a better chance of your Premier League survival next season. Yeah, for sure. And uh, don't worry, I didn't I did not hear what you said. Yes, Villa, we will have a look at Villa. Come on then, <laughs> give it to me. What's your season review? <laughs> well, finishing fourteenth, I'm not really that happy with. I mean. It's one of them. I think at the start of the season, expectation, we, I think you said to me, and there was a lot of noise about us challenging for the top 10 because you look at some of the individuals we had in our squad and you thought, wow, yeah. You look yeah. from probably 10th down to sort of 16th, we'd have had probably the best squad on paper. Yeah. Um, and then we had all of that dilemma with Dean Smith leaving, almost wedging, trying to fit Ings and Watkins into the same team, trying to fit one Zabi to play. I don't know if there was a clause he had to play a certain amount of games if he came back to us, so we went to a back three. Um, and everything we did the season before with how good our back four was kind of went out the window. Mm. Um, but I think slowly, I think, I mean, even games, the trouble is we, we're not clinical enough, which is crazy considering some of the names that we have. Um, and I don't quite understand it. But I think there's sort of a, a feeling um, that if we overcommit in games we're not as solid as we once were at the back. And that's why that holding midfield area was so pivotal for us. Yeah. And I've said it, I've said it all season. That's really what we need. Um, well, you've done so, business early so far. You're, you're, the, you're the busiest yeah. club already. And we only just started the uh, end of the season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's always a good sign. I think when business is done really early, because it means that you've probably secured the people that you want. Um, and I think when you look at Kamara coming in, um, Kamara, Kamara, um, for what he is as a player, he's a sort of player that we need. Yes, he's young. Um, he's just come from Marseille. He finished second in the league. Uh, played Europa League football. They got the best defensive record in in league in the season. Um, but he's in the French squad already. Got him on a free transfer, five year deal. Everything looks pleasing with that deal. Um, he's also quite versatile. He's played in centre back quite a lot. Um, and I think that's a theme, especially from our signing chambers. It's a theme that maybe we're trying to bring into the club where instead of having four or five centre-backs and having three that probably aren't up to the quality or two that aren't up to the quality, bringing first-team players that can still play there as well. So more versatility. 
Yeah, I mean, I've spoken before. I think our squad's pretty big. I think our yeah. squad, especially in forward areas, there's quite a lot of players that miss out on a lot of game time. And, and I wouldn't be shocked if we had some departures. Um, and Gerard openly said it's about bringing in the right players. We don't really need numbers, which is quite rare in the position that we're in because teams around us realistically need more options. Whereas for us, we just need to trim it down and figure out what our best 11 is. But having said that, obviously with the City game, um, and we started so well when we, 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 you know, I think I was excited by the lineup and I sent it to you, Coutinho and Buendia starting together, which for me is, is the best way for us with Watkins as well. That's my favourite front three. Um, yeah. And then I think next season, I think it'll be, I think it will be those three. I think it will be um, McGinn, Jacob Ramsey, and then, and then one other, which it might be Kamara. So uh, it's looking pleasing, but, you know, we've, we've made good deals this summer, but I did say mid-table was probably going to be where we were because there was a feeling of us not really pushing on that much. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's hard to predict. You know, I don't want to take predictions now. It's too early. I mean, we haven't even mm. had a transfer window yet, but mm. not prediction, more what should be expectations for Villa next year. Like, should it be a cup, a cup run, top 10, what, what sort of things? I think both, really. I think... As I've said before, we don't need to bulk out our squad. If we've got that quality, there's no reason why we can't get to the latter stages of an FA Cup. Mm. Semis, quarters. Um, I mean, Newcastle did it last season, or this season, I can't remember, they did it, I think it was last season. Um, and they didn't have anywhere near the squad that we had. Mm. Um, same with Brentford. So, I think so. I think, I think we need to be aiming for that top 10. As I've said... Again, Brighton, you wouldn't expect to be there. And, and just by playing the right way, having a consistent theme of, of their approach to games, they've managed to do it this season. So I think the quality we have, the finances we have behind us, the Coutinho pool um, and, and this sort of thing, I think top 10 definitely. And if we don't finish top 10 next season, people will be questioning Gerard because that's what he's being brought in to do. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, yeah. So we'll move on, shall we, to our the main part of the show, as it were, the yeah. uh, the team of the year. So... Now this this was fun. I mean, I've watched a lot of team of the years and looked at people's teams, but we came up with the idea of having a maximum of three players per team because I did a sort of draft team and I felt like I was doing the whole Liverpool back line. I was doing <laughs> and and this sort of thing, which again, there's a theme throughout the team of the years. I've seen that has been way more Liverpool players than Man City players. And I think, I, I don't know why that is. I, I, I just don't know why that is. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. But um, yeah, uh, so as, as Steve said, we're <laughs> limiting it to three players per club. So uh, you can't have, as he said, a whole back line of Liverpool because that's, you know, one too many, for example. Um, but yeah, that's, that's only the real rules. To it really, uh, I've said a four three four three three. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what you've gone with as well? I think so. I think most, uh, I think the better teams seem to go with that anyway. So I think it just fits like a glove, really. Yeah. Um, so without further ado, shall we start? <laughs> who yeah. have you got? In, who have you got behind the, between sticks? Well, again, my my first choice was Allison. I think one v ones. It's been immense the way that he plays. Um, and, and it really pushes Liverpool forward as a team. And he's so commanding, so good with his feet. Distribution, brilliant. But 1v1s, I think he's got he's had an extra coaching for that or, or something I was hearing about. 
Um, but I couldn't pick him because for me, there was three better Liverpool players in the season. Yeah. Um, so I've gone with Jose Sarr. Ooh. From Same. Wolves. Um, <laughs> main reason is, again, I don't think Wolves had a particularly great season finishing 10th. I think it's a sort of, I think especially their recent form, I think they've sort of been a bit near. They had a lot of transition in it throughout the season yeah. with the new manager. But I just think that Patricio, people don't realise how good of a goalkeeper he is. I think yeah. to come in and replace him, um, I think the way he dominates his box, I was looking through some stats, but I can't actually find them right now, which is terrific. <laughs> um, but he's up there in all of the centiles of goalkeeping in terms of um, catches in the area, saves, 1v1s, all, all of the above. And he seems to be one of the most constant themes and I think when you come into a team like Wolves where there is an expectation that there will always be a solid team, they will always play in a certain way, and they've tried to be more progressive this season, he has been the epitome of of, of trying to keep the old mould in, in terms of they've been pretty leaky this season. If yeah. I'm being honest, they have not been the Wolves that we're used to. But time and time again, I think he has got them out of trouble. And if he wasn't in that team, I don't think they would have made the top 10 this year. No, yeah. I mean, I, that's exactly what I went with. Those were the two options I was going to debate over with you, Sarah and Alison. Um, obviously, just a side note before we carry on, this is going to be like almost, we're going to debate it out between each other and we're going to end up picking a overall team together. But uh, yeah, I think Sarah will probably be the one for me as well because, as you said, he's up there for all the stats, you know, despite the fact they finished 10th, you know, they're... First season as well. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't concede too many if I'm honest. Um, and like I said, I've been looking through the stats here. He conceded 40 goals in the season. Um, he is is the fourth highest most saves in the league. Mm. Um, obviously, that could be because, you know, your team defends a lot, whatever. I mean, Meslier is the most saves in the league. And that says a lot about a team who nearly got relegated. Well, of course, yeah. But, you know, clean sheets 11. Alisson at 20. So he's the... He's joint... Six, fifth, six. Mm. Uh, yeah, so he's he's up there in everything. He, bloody hell, even in punches, he's the second highest. So, yeah, know. I think it just shows the dominance that he has, and and I think that's really important for a goalkeeper. And we're seeing a sort of shift with him being brought into the league, and when Mendy was brought into the league, where teams are quite happy to go out there and get that bit more experienced player. Whereas in a lot of other positions, they won't touch someone of a certain age. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I quite like that for goalkeepers. He's he's a really good presence. He's been terrific. Good bit of business from Wolves. Yeah, very good bit of business. And, uh, you know, I think those stats show that like he's someone who likes to command his area, really. Like, he makes it his own. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think I think that's a unanimous yes on Saar, then. Yeah. That's our, that's our goalie. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> we think alike, but I know there'll be disagreements somewhere. Oh, there will be. Like, oh, yeah, Ronaldo or Ronaldinho. <laughs> uh, oh, there will be. Um, um, so let's, on, let's go left back. Um, left back. Strangely, I probably found this one of the hardest decisions to make. Um, for me, it was out of Robertson and Cancelo. Um, I went with Cancelo. I, I also went with Cancelo. Not because I think he's had a better season than Robertson, but because I think he is so important to that City team. And He's a different sort of player. He's a sort of player that will play make, and he's a fullback. Yeah, I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, 
I think he has uh, everything, like you said, in that, you know, among that back line, he's so key. But then also in transition, he's, you know, again, such a key player for that Man City team, you know, and obviously it shows how Pep Guardiola wants his teams to play, you know. They almost have to have multiple, you know, abilities almost, you know. Um, I think it's crazy. I think he's had one of the most touches in the league. Um, that's mental. I think, I think the fact that he can play sort of left back, right back, he basically played most of the game as a midfielder. He can play as a winger. I think it just shows. And I think it's not easy for a player to come into that City team and get credit for how good they've been. So even even silly stats and his attacking work, he's he's got the third, joint third most through balls in the league. Most um, passes in the league. That's crazy. And it just it just shows the positions he takes up. And I think it's it's just credit to him. I mean, Robertson without doubt has been one of the best left backs in the league for the last few years and to be yeah. in the same breath and to be to be mentioned even though he's a completely different player I think it's phenomenal and I just think with him in there he has been terrific absolutely terrific yeah for sure well, uh, right yeah. back right back I, I went a bit different I was going to go with Trent mm-hmm. um, but I said Reese James just because it's something different because I think Alex, I think a lot of people expected Trent would expect us to say Trent, you know, because obviously, you know, he's inevitably had a good season, um, as he did last year. But I think Reese James, I think his, he's been one of Chelsea's most important players, even offensively as well. He's, I mean, I think he's got he's got some mad amount of goals as well this season, um, which I'll find out in a minute. But yeah, I said I went with Reese James to be fair, and he's even been def- terrific nine assists this season. I think what's funny is I think he's been one of the most attacking threats, um, and there's been talks about making him into a centre back. Like, it's, it's strange. Like he's, I think throughout the youth teams, he was a striker. He's got, he's got a phenomenal you can, finishing. You on can, him. Yeah, you can see it in his shots. Um, I mean, he's got five goals this year in the mm, Prem. Yeah, I think he's been brilliant. Um, I went with Trent. I think twelve assists is a joke for any right back. Um, I think the the thing is with Trent, and this is, this is what I don't think people will ever understand. I think people always have this: oh, he can't defend, sort of motto. Mm. Um. I think he's got it all. I generally think when you look at the numbers he's spitting out and the way he does it so consistently, he will be written as as one of the best fullbacks ever. Because when you look at players like Danny Alves, um, who in our generation were probably the attacking players you looked up to and players modelled, Trent absolutely smashes him in numbers, smashes distribution, passing, goals, free kicks, corners, everything. Um, look how young he is. And look how young he is. And I think he's a player that um, I just think continues to get better. I think the fact that he didn't go away with England, I mean, okay, there was injuries involved, but I think he just gives you a different dimension. Mm. I think the difference is with Reese James is you see him as a bit more complete. The fact that they, they trust him to play in that centre-back role, similar to Carl Walker, where defensively he's he's obviously probably better than Trent. But when you have that amount of output and that that ability to go for, I think it's just phenomenal. Um, no. But yeah, my, my I did I did I had I had James down for a while, mainly because I wanted Matip and Van Dijk in the next position, but I couldn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy either way, mate. I'm happy to go with go with James for now. Um, but I think with this Liverpool, you have to have three Liverpool players in there. So we'll we'll, we'll have a little look. So I'll write them both down, and then if we need the Liverpool player, we'll just cross Trent out. Because I think Trent has had the better season, but I think when you look at it, 
I think I think Trent's had a better season than than Reece James, but I think Reece James's season has been compared cool. to yeah. If, if if you compare it to last year as well, I think with Trent we kind of expected it. Reece James, calls you know a great player and everything, but I think to have the impact he's had on his Chelsea side compared to maybe like last year or something, I think is phenomenal. And uh... and I want to shout out my boy Matty Cash. I just want to say, <laughs> and I, I'm not I'm not talking in teams of the season. We finished fourteenth defensively. We've been okay. Um. But played every single minute for Villa this season. He he has been our player of the season. Yeah, fan favorite. I think through Forest he played. There was he he was so versatile at Forest that at times you'd consider him just an attacking player. Yeah, um, and I think he settled in well. He epitomizes everything that Villa were trying to achieve in terms of going forward defensively. He's brilliant. Um, he's worked on his output a lot. He's got the characteristics. He's now an international with Poland. Um, and I think he's had a terrific year. And I think when you're looking outside of the top 10, I think he he would be in that in that bracket. I think he's been phenomenal. And obviously, as a Villa fan, I'm obviously more aware to it, but Matty Cash has been phenomenal. No, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he scored yesterday as well, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, and the position that he was in, I think when, he, I, think when I look back, um, these are positions where he's now got the confidence to go into. I don't, I think whereas before you'd probably see him outside the box quite a lot, yeah, and that would be his limit. But the way that he attacks now is just, it's it's really nice to see. I think he's been brilliant. Yeah, yeah, That's, but, yeah. Good little mention there, but uh, not quite for team of the year. <laughs> maybe quite. next year. Maybe next year. <laughs> yeah, not quite. Um, um, but in terms of centre halves, you know, what's your, what's your parents saying? I struggle with this as well. I think I was split between. Um, I wanted Van Dyke and Matip. I think partnership wise, and I think Matip's probably had the better season than Van Dyke. Yeah. Um, but because Van Dyke is who he is, and even when he's not quite at a ten out of ten, he's probably still by miles the best centre back in the league. I've put him in. Um, okay. And I've also gone for Rudiger. I think Ooh. over the last few months, um, maybe because Chelsea have struggled a little bit, but I think people. Even at the start of this year, people were saying how good he has been. I think he's absolutely dominant. I looked at Thiago Silva because I think he's a completely different sort of player. But I think Rudiger's been really, really, really good for them. Um, I also considered Laporte. I mean, a lot yeah. of people put Diaz in there, but I think Laporte's had a really good year. Um, but yeah, I went Rudiger and Van Dijk. I think as well because of the quality of the players. Um, and I think, as I say with Van Dijk, People are so used to seeing how good he is that they almost think he's not as good as he is when he's playing to a good level. Yeah, I think I've seen that a lot this year. A lot of people, you know, obviously you can't always take Twitter serious, but a lot of people underappreciated how good Van Dyke is. You know, he might have one off game and then he'll just get slated just because he's that good, you know, that class of level. But yeah, I had him in as well. But yeah, I had Rudiger as well. I think, you know, he's been so key to that Chelsea back line. Um, even in an attacking sense as well. But in terms of the back line, yeah, he's been just solid at the back. And you you don't get a, a move to Real Madrid for nothing. The you know what is, I mean? I remember watching Rudiger. Um, I'm pretty sure I spoke to you about him. This was sort of when he first came to Chelsea. And I was really impressed with him. Um, the way that he carries the ball into the other half, he's powerful. Um, I think for his career, he's been seen as a little bit rash. But that's kind of gone. That's mm. gone a little bit. Um and I just think when you're looking at people that have improved and really made teams better, he has really, really impressed me. And I think, yeah, I think there's no, as you say, no one gets a move to Real Madrid for nothing. No, nah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Mm. So, 
I think that I think that's something that you know that he needed to improve. I think that's why a lot of people didn't take him serious. Similar mm-hmm. to Xhaka, I think the whole rashness of it, maybe going in for tackles, flying tackles, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they're similar in that sense, and both of them have actually taken out their game. And people, I think, are appreciating how good they are a lot more and how key big they are to out, their teams. Big shout out to Matic though, but I think again, I've said before with Matic, I think it's the first season he's not really had. The, the massive injury so maybe people are seeing how good he is rather than him being any better than normal I don't know um, yeah. but I, I think, think always it's always tough to be against someone like alongside like Van Dyke and then yeah. try and you know individually show how good you are because you've got someone who's you know just 10 times one of the best players in the in the world at, in his position you know it's, it's hard to kind of live up to that I but, think as well know. another honourable mention would be to Craig Dawson I mean, yeah. the only reason he's he's probably not in my team of the year is because he wasn't even probably in the start of 11 come the start of the season, the favoured pair. I think um, in terms of Zuma or Bonner, I think that was the favoured pair for a while. But in terms of defenders, you don't get many better in the league. He's so strong. Um, he he just, he does the basics right. He's been in a lot of teams where they've had to do a lot of defending. I mean, I look back when he was at West Brom with Gareth McCauley and, and these sorts of players that would just grind out results. And I think, I think defensively he's been sensational. I mean, even in the Europa League, he's been very good. He got in the Europa League team of the year, which some West Ham fans were surprised about. But I just think he's one of them players that does his business really well. So no one talks about him because there's no error in him or he is not extravagant. He's not doing a Van Dyke and switching the ball or playmaking. He's He just does his job as a defender. Salah yeah. as well at Southampton, considering, I mean, we spoke about this before about young players, but Salah um, has been very demanding in a team where realistically they have underachieved and you'd be quite worried going into next season as a Southampton fan in recent form but again summer window might change that but I think salisu has been brilliant as well yeah I mean I was going to there was one other I was um, thinking about I think just the quality of um, those we've mentioned Van Dyke, Rudiger just just about surpassed him um, but that was uh, Norgard from Brentford mm. You know, I think he. You know, I think he's the highest in the league for tackles. Um, he's quite high up in the list for passes as well, which shows you know, you know, kind of how he p- likes to play, for example. Um, but you know, he was he was so good. What was it back in the the Euros, wasn't it? Mm. He had a very good tournament. Um, but yeah, he's been key to that Brentford side, and obviously they stayed up this year. You know, yeah. I think they well, right. they finished just above you, was it or? Yeah, thirteenth. Yeah. yeah. That's mm-hmm. a very good season for them, and I think he's been very key to that and a very dominating figure in that back line. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was one I was considering, but, you know, I went with Rudy with Van Dijk, and mm. I think that's what we're going with, yeah? Yeah, I mean, as well, I did... I considered Christian Romero. Um, yeah. I think... I don't think people appreciate him until you watch him, um, and you can really feel what he is to that back line. I think part of the reason I didn't choose him was because I think... Again, you look at clean sheets wise, I think he had five clean sheets in the twenty I want to say twenty or twenty two games that he played. So you would argue that maybe the impact hasn't been there in terms of the overall back line, but as an individual, really, really, really good centre back. Yeah. Um Yeah, okay. So moving on to the midfield now. This was difficult. My forward Very line difficult. for me was easy, but midfield, oh oof. So um, uh well I went well I just went with a straight three um mm. of Gallagher mm. so Crystal Palace Declan Rice from West Ham mm. and then Kevin De Bruyne from Man City 
mental. We've only agreed on one. Ooh, who are we agreeing on? Kevin De Bruyne. I think Kevin De Bruyne, quite self-explanatory. I think when he's been fit, he's been a class above. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. the reason he's one player of the year. Um, because of the impact he has on that City team, he's almost not been a midfielder at times. And I think he's the best midfielder in the world by a mile. Yes, um, I, I don't think there was going to be much argument on that one, really. <laughs> yeah, um, Gallagher was interesting. I think Gallagher, again, got, had his England call up. Um, man of the match in the game as well. Um, but Some gone, engine on him. <laughs> yeah, and Rice. Rice was the really difficult one for me to keep out. I was sort of torn between Rice and Rodri because I looked at it as in, as in their role in the team. Um, yeah. And... Again, Rice, the impact he has on West Ham is just unquestionable and he's phenomenal for his age, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. The reason I went for Rodri was because I just think, again, he's really settled into that team. I didn't think there was going to be a player that could come in and take over from Fernandinho. I really didn't. Um, I think the way that he's also, which is what Rice probably doesn't have to his game as much, even though it's progressing, is the goals that he scored this season at, at certain times. I mean, he scored against us, obviously, last game of the season. Um, and they always seem to be absolute bangers as well. <laughs> um, but the way he dictates play, I think Rodri is, again, one of them people that goes about his bu- business quite silently. But other than him and Fabinho, there's not many of them players around in the league. Mm. Um, and I think they'd make any team better. So I went Rodri, um, obviously De Bruyne. And the other one was Mount. I mean, I said this to you before. I don't think Mount has had the appreciation because of the fact that Chelsea finishing third and sort of they've known they've been finishing third for a while. I think people have sort of looked at that and been like, mm. but I mean, the guy, the guy's stats have been incredible this year. Um, I think, oh, what am I looking at here? We're looking at assist, 10 assists from centre midfield for a start. Um I also believe, let me double check, yeah, Chelsea's top scorer from centre midfield um, with 11 goals. So, I think it's a phenomenal, mate. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, you told me about it a couple of weeks ago when we were looking at potential young player of the years and his name wasn't really getting mentioned at all, was it? Among the likes of Foden and Saka and all that. It's crazy, mate. I think it's craziness. But yeah, his stats, you know, they speak for themselves. You know, he's a very impressive season, which is mad because... <laughs> People were raving about him last year, and I don't know how, I don't know what his stats compare, but this year they've definitely been, you know, that's, that's what eleven goals and ten assists. That's what twenty-one goal contributions. That's, that's pretty decent for a midfield, isn't it? I think it's phenomenal, and I think for a team that realistically have struggled scoring goals, mm. um, and I think the thing is with Mason Mount as well. Like he's a workhorse. There's a lot to his game, and I think I think he's been hugely set upon this year just because. There's a bit of discontent with <coughs> Chelsea, I think. So he was in there for me just again because of his poor importance to that team. Um, but yeah, I think Kevin De Bruyne definitely has to be in there. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I think Without we've question. agreed on that one. Um, Gallagher for me, I understand I think... the, the, the player in there, but I don't think he's been in the top three midfielders in the league. I think James Ward-Prowse has probably had a better season as well because again, he's in a team where. He is dragging them. But James Ward-Prowse, we've seen a lineup every week. He shouldn't be in that team. Yeah. But Conor Gallagher, I mean, Palace have excited a lot of people because of the change of play, et cetera, et cetera. He's had a very good season. But for me, there's there's players that have had better seasons, in my opinion. Fair enough. I, I just think his contribution to the team and just his 
overall energy and just the kind of just energised like the rest of the Palace team. I think it's kind of flowed through the rest of the team. Um, yeah. And it's been so key to how Vieira wants them to play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's almost been the catalyst from deep in midfield. Um, you know, he's definitely someone I think Chelsea are going to try and keep out, keep a hang on to. Um, I think they're very light in midfield, so like, mm-hmm. yeah, it'd be stupid not to keep mm-hmm. him at the club. But uh, yeah, that's the reason I went with him, especially at his age as well, to have that kind of impact in a Premier League, a mid-table Premier League team. You know, is is quite impressive. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I think Rice was the not so the obvious one. I think because so many people have talked on Rice this year, probably because of his you know the transfer rumors and stuff. But you know, he's done his talking on the pitch. You know, while everyone else talks about prices, I feel like you know he's done his contribution team. Like without him, you know, you you failed to see West Ham getting anywhere near a Europa League semi final. I think he does drag them at times, and even the way he plays. The way that he carries the ball forwards, he he he's progressed his game. He's not you don't look at him as an out and out holding midfielder, like he can do a bit of everything. Um, no, yeah. Even centre half he can, you know, still do a job like. Yeah. Um but yeah, so that's who I went with. Um so who who are we agreeing on? I mean, if I'm <laughs> if I'm looking at it, I mean look I mean Mason... I think it comes down to our front lines as well in terms of this free player limit. Yeah, but I think I think with Mason Mount as well, part of the reason he was in there, um, I think people like Chelsea finished third, which you could say is not a great achievement. But for a lot of the season, they've been the best of the rest. Um, and for me, he's been the standout player. When I look at sort of the rest of the league, again, Bernardo Silva could have been in there. Yeah. Um, Thiago, I think, has been very slept on as well. because and I think that's probably because of the other players in that team. But the way he plays football is a beauty. And it's so effective. He's not just glamour. I think... He has helped them change their style as well. Um, but yeah, it depends. Again, it depends on what you're looking for. I think, I think again, Rice was on my mind. Rice, It was out of Rice and Rodri for me. Rice was on my mind. And I'm very happy for Rice to be in that team. Very happy to be in that team. Um, but for me, De Bruyne is in there as well. I would quite like Rodri to be in there as well. I think Rodri, again, take him out of that City team. I think they leak goals. Remember when Fernandinho was out for that long? Yeah, and they leave yeah. goals, and I think he's that steeliness in there. I mean, I like the Mason Mount one because you know, as you were talking, you know, when you sent me that thing the other week, I didn't realize just how much of an impact he'd had this season. Like, I didn't realize his stats were that good because no one's been really talking about it. around Chelsea that that he's probably been the only one that has continued to. <laughs> I mean, Havertz as well. I think Havertz has had a good year. Um, yeah, because he's been asked to play in a different role, but. I mean, it's because there's the whole Lukaku has been absolutely tragic in terms of the money they've spent and the way it's worked out. There's been a huge negativity. We were talking about them in the same breath as the other two clubs above them, if they could, at the start of the year, if they could compete. And and they were the best of the rest. But there's just, there's not many players in that team, realistically. Um, they, they, they feel empty. They've had individuals that have had a good, good year, but going forward, they feel almost empty. They could have a yeah. whole new front line next year. Yeah. Yeah, I think with Chelsea, I don't know. I feel like they've not really had a, a fight. Like um, mm. Liverpool and City fought for the title. Tottenham and Arsenal fought for top four. You know, there's not really. They kind of third's almost been inevitable for almost months now. I mean, I know there were times where you know maybe Tottenham and Arsenal might have caught them. Maybe near the start year they might have put title charge in, but really, I think third place was always kind of cemented for them, and it was kind of just no one really spoke about them. They kind of just got on with their business. Everyone just 
accepted it really. And obviously, Trump's- as as you said, with the whole, you know, Abramovich situation, it was you know no one was really thinking about Chelsea. I think the trouble is with Chelsea as well. The Lukaku deal seemed like a certainty to score goals. Um, an absolute certainty. I mean, you look at it, Mason Mount with 11 goals as a top goal scorer. And then you have Havertz at nine. Um, Assists-wise, eleven, uh, 10 assists, Reese James with nine. And then you're looking down to Kovacic at five. The fact that you've got a midfielder and a right-back as your top providers, okay, you look at Liverpool, that might be normal, but it's not normal for most teams. And Mason Mount, Mason Mount has been the only person that realistically has has sort of stood out in terms of what he's produced. Yeah, I think yeah, he's he's been very key to that Chelsea side. I'd be happy to have him in this team. Bear in mind when uh, Tuchel came in as well, a lot of people said he was only in and around the Chelsea team because of Frank Lampard, and he had a big point to prove. Yeah, and the same was was same with Southgate for England. He's always stuck by Mason Mount, and people have been like, why? Because people wanted Foden in there a little bit more. And this sort of thing, but he is time and time again producing. So I'm I'm very happy. I I'd be happy with him. Mason Mount. So Mason Mount and De Bruyne are definite ones. It's just the other I suppose it's our holding midfield that we need to I mean look, um, this is the conversation I had before before the call, which which kind of summarizes how hard it is to pick between the two. Um I'm happy to compromise on Rice. As I say, Rice was a player that was very close to it. I chose Rodri. But you've chose Rice in your team. Rice was on my mind. I'm happy to go with Rice. But I think there's not a lot between it. And I think the importance of Rice to that West Ham team and, and to be honest, the quality of him as a player compared to a lot of that squad probably pips him above above Rodri just because he's the, he's a huge standout. And he's probably one of the best in the world in this position already. Yeah, so. for sure. So are we saying, oh, is this one we're going to come back to based on our front line, Rodri or Rice? I'm happy to go with Rice straight away, if I'm being honest. Rice straight away? Okay, then. Yeah, I'm happy to go with that. Um, All right. Frontline, for me, genuinely, two of the people was was the easiest thing I've ever done. Okay. Salah and Son for me. Yeah, so I I had Son on the left, Salah up top. Yeah, that's what I had. And then I had um, Bowen on the right. Yeah, I had Bowen, but I wrote maybe Saka. (laughs) Because I thought I got no Arsenal players. Well, well, uh, the big debate for me was um, Ronaldo or Kane. Because, okay, Kane has only come to life at the latter stages of the season, but he has been absolutely outstanding recently. Absolutely outstanding. I mean, he finished fourth top goal scorer, one behind Ronaldo at 17 goals. And this was a player that didn't get his first goal for a very long time. Mm. Um, I think the way that he frees up Son, I think the relationship they have is immense. I think again, nine assists for a striker who has flopped this season. Apparently, he still had some extreme outputs. Um, Ronaldo as well. I think everyone knows the impact he's had compared to what Man United would be like without him. Yeah, and he's still got the goals, which is what he's been brought in to do. Um, but the reason I went for Bowen was because, again, West Ham aren't a team that naturally you'd think would score a lot of goals. Um mm. he's got ten assists. This is bearing in mind this is a guy that has worked his way up through football. Um wasn't at Academy as a child. Um got his big move to Hull and, and sort of that. Twelve goals as well. Um and he's just a workhorse. I, I see him I could see him at the big clubs. I really could. Look at the impact Jot has had at Liverpool. 
and he's a workhorse. He can get goals. I could see him at Liverpool. I could see him at Man United. I could see him at City. I could see him at Chelsea. I could see him at any of these teams because West Ham aren't the most attacking team, and he's got that output. I think he's been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I think that's why I had him. You know, the stats speak for himself in that sense, and I think that's where he um, probably pips Saka a bit is in stats. Um, like you said, he's been unbelievable in that attack. His contribution again, another one who's like energy up top has probably you know, dragged West Ham at times when they've needed it the most. Um, mm-hmm. him, him and Rice have probably been dragging them all season, really, at times, um, which is phenomenal when you consider. Um, but yeah, I, I, who I stuck with as well, to be fair, it was, you know, in the team like West Ham as well, to do to get the numbers he's got, you know, is, you know, is quite phenomenal. I think the other player, I, I, there's two other players that I looked at, but they weren't quite at the level of the team in the year. Wilfred Zaha, um, 14 goals a season um, and for once it's felt like he's happy at Palace there's always this talk about him going somewhere else but for me I mean I don't like his attitude I'll be honest he annoys me a lot as a player but <laughs> to me like he has been like sort of a figurehead in that Palace team that Palace team look the points wise they're not much different from Roy Hodgson but the mentality shift, the brand of football, the young players that come in, Zaha's been like a role model in that team. He's been their go-to player. And I think he's been very good. The other player um, as well was Harvey Barnes. Yes. He's had a good year and he's been a little bit of a gem in a team that have not really performed where they, they should be. Um, but again, he, he's been in a team where he hasn't had the players to actually provide for, but 10 assists is a really good output. Um, joint third in the league. Um, and again, he's just full of energy, full of energy. Sadio Mane could have easily been in there, but for me, Bowen, again, like you said, the impact he's had on that West Ham, West Ham team, even through Europe, um, you could just, he's just, it's phenomenal. He's, he's an incredible player. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was just looking through this thing here. It's like um, minutes played by players um, in the top 100. I just skimmed through it. Eight of them are West Ham players. Mm. You know, I think that kind of just shows like that consistency, the same sort of lineup, playing with those same sort of players has been so key for them with the likes of Bowen and Rice featuring in that top 100. Um, mm. It just shows like just how key they have been and, you know, that kind of collectiveness. That's kind of ran through, especially at the start of the season when they that dream of the Champions League was potentially alive. You know, just showed that their quality sparkled most of all through that team. But I think, uh, I yeah. think the thing with Bowen is as well. I think he slept on a little bit because mm. of the fact that he isn't the glamorous player. He he works hard. He's come from Hull, sort of like Robertson did in the sense where you still look at Robertson as one of the best uh, left backs in the league, but you just see him as hard work. But there's so much more to their game. I think he at Hull he was averaging something like a goal every like one and a half games, but I mean he's he, his numbers are worse than that now. But I think the the big thing is with him is the fact that he is in that team that necessarily you're not expecting to score four or five goals every week. No. Whereas Hull, he had that license. He was the main man, but he shows his all round game, his tracking back, his defensive work, his work rate. Um, I think he's an absolute joy to have in that West Ham team because you don't get in that David Moyes team unless you're going to work hard. And, and I think the, the players they bring in are really difficult players to play against. And I think that's that's been like the sort of scouting 
that's been the sort of characteristics they look for at West Ham. And, and him and Rice epitomise it. The fact they're both English as well, they will understand what West Ham is as a football yeah. club. Yeah, um, I think I think you're right there. He's not necessarily that glamorous player, is he? he kind of almost just gets his job done. Um, you know, whereas, like you said, like Robinson, the guy similar to that, whereas Trent on the other side, mate, more of the glitz and glamour of the Liverpool mm. team. And, you know, it's obviously similar. There's similarities to West Ham there. Bowen kind of just, you know, does his job and, you know, he produces with that. Um, but other names, I mean, you know, Ronaldo, mm. he got 18 goals, you know, for a, for a player who's apparently holding Man United back. You know, 18 goals, three assists, 21 goal contributions. It's not too bad. I mean, it's difficult with Ronaldo because I think there's been so much negative press towards the signing that sometimes you don't appreciate that he's actually done what he's been asked to do. Mm. I mean, he's played five less games than Salah as well. Um, so you would, I mean, the form that he's he was in before this slight injury in the last day of the season, you'd probably expect another couple of goals in there as well. Um, but I just think. That United team have been so poor. I think it's a compliment that they finished where they finished. Um, I think at times he has been the only player, maybe De Gea, especially probably months before now, that have, have kept them where they are. Um, I mean, I think he's an absolute role model. I think Ten Hag needs to keep him around um, because he guarantees your goals. I think in a team that's a bit more attacking, I think next season would get you 20-plus goals. Yeah. Um, you just it, know what's on the team with Ronaldo. Yeah, he does a job. I mean, I was at the Arsenal United game and, you know, it's the first time I properly watched him this season. Really, I hadn't really watched him much. Up close in the flesh, he is scary. Oh, man, yeah. I was scared <laughs> whenever he got the ball. He just Literally, does magical things. He really does. And the fact that he's got those numbers in a team who have not performed that well at all. I mean, they were a Palace goal away yesterday from ending the season on negative goal difference. But That's the trouble crazy. is crazy. The trouble is as well though, people will be like, oh, he doesn't work half the team, doesn't do this, doesn't do that. I've seen I've seen him in games. He loses the ball, he will sprint back and get it back. He he will do Rashford's dirty work, for example. He'll do other people's work. I just think he's an intelligent guy. At his age he looks after his body. He can't go around pressing like a like a Bowen, for example, the whole game, but he does do his bit. And this is the thing. And I think the only reason he's probably not in there is because almost like if you come accustomed to him scoring goals, like it's almost not enough. It's strange. Yeah. Like I think with Bowen, you wouldn't expect his numbers. I think mean, I felt cruel even Mane out of the team. Yeah, even I Jota. Think, yeah, I felt absolutely criminal even Mane out because for Mane... I've said it before, I think he's a better footballer than Salah. I just think that Salah is the guy that will get the goals. And yeah. Mane has added goals to his game. Mane, Mane has played as number nine a lot a lot of times. He's He's been brilliant. I think a lot of that obviously has been to bring in, let Diaz into the team because Diaz has been superb as well. But yeah, I think with Ronaldo, I think if United had had a bit more positive season, he'd probably be a guy that was in there. Yeah, I mean, that whole argument about, you know, He's he was not brought into press, you know. That's the end of the day. He's brought him, you know. Obviously, the argument he made, he was brought in just so City couldn't have him, but he was brought in to score goals. He's done that, and he's finished. You know what was it? Second, third highest, third highest in the league. Well, mm. technically second if you talk about the first two being joint. So, 
he's done his part. It's, it's just the rest of the team who haven't. But yeah, I think in terms of who we're going with, I think as you said, Bowen's exceeded what people would have yeah. thought he would have got, and he's obviously his impacts paid dividends for West Ham's overall pretty positive season. So. Just read back our team, just for clarification, and then we'll maybe talk about player of the year and young player of the year and maybe signing of the season. Uh, well, we got to settle one bit. we got to set our right back. That's the last sticking point. We have to see if we're going with Trent or... How many Liverpool players are in that team? Two. Uh, let me look. So we've got Salah and Van Dijk. So we could... And we've only got two Chelsea, two Liverpools. Technically, either one can fit in fine. I think there's two ways of doing it. I think there's either Trent goes right back, no Rhys James, or Alisson goes in goal and no Jose Sarr. Because for me, these are all players. If if you're saying team of the season, these are all players that will be in there. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think Trent I, 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 I think Trent needs to be in that team. I yeah, just think I can... he's, he's phenomenal. He's absolutely incredible. People forget how young he is as well. Yeah, and I think, I think a lot of people expected... Um, Allison, you know, you, you get what you get on the tin with Allison, don't you? With mm. whereas Saar, like that was, you know, it's kind of more unexpected. Um, mm. And I think the fact that he's in a side that maybe were maybe expect to concede more goals, and the fact that he's done as well as he's done as as a new signing, as you said, probably means he can fit into that team um, over Allison. Okay, so sorted. Finalised. Surprised we've agreed on because we had quite a lot of the same players actually. Yeah, I was expecting that. You know, we my, good line, good minds think alike, and all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, let me read that back for you. Uh, we got Sarri, we got Trent, Rudiger, Van Dijk, and Cancelo as our back line. We got Mount Rice, De Bruyne as our midfield three, and then we got Bowen, Salah, and Son as our front three. Nice. Happy with that. Yeah, I think. Well, I'm maybe... surprised the people will be Mason Mount, but I think if people watch anything at Chelsea and, and the see and see the kid, I mean, wow. Yeah, I think if they look more into it, like I have now done since you told me about him the other week, I think they'll realise just how much of a season he's had this year. Um, even if Chelsea haven't quite, but thinking about it, that team is probably. I know we barred ourselves from picking more than three. That's pretty much close enough to what would probably be team of the year if there was no limits. Yeah. I maybe, think, maybe, like you said, Allison probably replaced Saar. I mean, my my only other one was Matip as well, or Matip for Rudiger maybe, and then potentially yeah. bring Rodri in. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's pretty much team of the year, so, really. So we went through player of the year. Obviously, was was very De Bruyne. Um, I think there was only real three candidates. We spoke about Salah, Son, and De Bruyne. Yeah. My issue with De Bruyne being picked was the fact that it was only really the second half of the year, but then. You can argue he's been one of the best players in the world in the second half of the year, and yeah. Salah was sort of the other way around, where Salah was the start of the year. My my pick was always Son. My pick Son. was Son because he's in a Tottenham team that have struggled for much part of the season. Um, he's got the best shot conversion rate. Um, bearing in mind he's joint top scorer, so it's not like he's doing a Ronaldo where sometimes he's been seen as just taking lots of shots. Um, the goals that he scores, left foot and right foot. Positions he comes in, he's doing this in a not very good Tottenham team, and, and I'm not yeah. I'm not meaning not very good in terms of okay the Champions League quality, but in, in terms of the other teams in the league above them, um, I've just Son is one of those footballers that I think could play in any team in the world because his work rate, his technical abilities, 
the way that he'll do the defensive work, the way that he'll go forward, the way he'll counter, the way he can play almost up front, he can play either side. Um, and I think as a footballer, he pips Mo Salah in terms of what he can bring to the game. Salah just does certain things better than him. Whereas Kevin De Bruyne is genuinely probably the best in the world in this position. But again, I looked at the season and thought, it's not, you know, I think it's been later on in the season, whereas Son's probably been a bit more consistent. And his relationship with Harry Kane's phenomenal as well. Yeah, I think Son's just continued to improve. I mean, I was just looking and last season, Salah got 22 goals. This year is 23. Mm. Son got 17 last year and then 23 this year. So he, he's continuing to add add goals to his name. And um, it's the first year he's finished on more than 20. Um, but yeah, like you said, phenomenal player. And the fact that all 23 goals were, not not one of them was a penalty. That's, it's yeah. just phenomenal. Huge. And I think as well, it's not even just the goals. I think you look at, the impact of that team. And a lot of people have always said, like, when Harry Kane's on that Tottenham team, it's, it's, it's terrible news. But I think he's more important. I've said it before. I think you take Son out of that team, he's more important. Um, I think Son's more important in terms of he he fills the mantle for goals. I think there was, there was a little bit of time where Kane wasn't doing it and Son still was, and it kept Spurs going. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, that's just my own personal opinion. Who would you have gone for for a player of the year? Yeah, I mean, that's someone, you know, I never really think of Tottenham players as player dear. <laughs> well, but, that's um, why I'm asking. <laughs> but no, um, I mean, like you said, I think you do notice when he's not there. I think Kane isn't the same when Son's not there. Mm. Whereas I feel like Son can perform without Kane. Um, and I think you don't, obviously, as impactful as Salah is and as good as a player is, I feel like Liverpool can survive without him. In terms of the depth they have, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe in another team it might be a different story. Let's say if Arsenal had Salah, if he was out, you know, who have we got? But obviously in that, in terms of who he plays for, I think you take Salah out, he's not replaceable, but ooh, they can cover. Whereas you take Son out that Tottenham team, they suffer. Um, and I think that's what we've got to look at. And that just shows the hype of his impact. Um, so I was thinking of Salah, but, you know, this discussion might have... <laughs> drifted my mind but you I mean, know <laughs> Salah is as well and, and you, you go down the, the territory of almost underrating Salah because you feel like there's players in that team that do a little bit more but he's the one that's sort of at the end of it yeah but I mean the, the big thing for me is I look at that that Liverpool team I'm not saying anyone could go in there and score goals they can't but Diaz has been phenomenal since coming in um, Jota has been as well Firmino is always amongst it Origi when he comes in um I feel like that team is built for goals. Yeah. Whereas when you look at that Spurs team, you look at sort of Jose's countering methods, Nuno's, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to play three hold midfielders methods and, and whatever. And and then the Conte would, would change of system, trying to be a bit more steely, but trying to give the game to people. I think Son fits in impeccably to any of it. Yeah. He's one of those players that I just think, he imagine him in that Liverpool team. I think he'd be trumping Mane's numbers every year, and he already yeah. does at Spurs. Yeah. So yeah, I think quality of play. I think Son. I think if De Bruyne was sort of out it all year and 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 that sort of thing, I think there's no question because the, the, the way he's been since he's been back and it's just been mental. Yeah, I mean, I'm going with <coughs> sorry, I'm going with Salah just because the fact that he's scored the most goals, he's got the most assists. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, numbers, stats aren't everything, but that is phenomenal to, to win both. You know, it's a very rare occurrence that happens. 
mm. to be that impactful in the team to create and score goals. But um, you're the last yeah. player to do that. Go on, Harry Kane. <laughs> uh, to say. So, so young player of the year. Obviously, <laughs> a big discussion. I don't. Well, we can we considered talking about a few players and and Foden, as good of a footballer he is, we didn't really expect him to be young player of the year. I think yeah, I think both of us were very shocked when we saw Phil Foden. I think a lot of people were, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think I always find it a weird one. I never know the criteria for the like in terms of age and stuff like that. And it seems to be like oh, old people seem to be sneaking back into the young player and things like that. And I'm thinking, I think they need to change the rules on it because I think if you really want to evaluate the best young player, there's got to be a certain limit to the age. If you know what I mean? Or if you're in the player of the year, you shouldn't be in the young player. I don't know. That's just my I mean, opinion. I mean, the trouble is we spoke about the, the, the winning the league bias as well. Yes. I know that obviously they said about Foden before the league was confirmed, but it's one of those things where in actual fact, again, if you're looking at numbers, you're looking at this sort of thing. For me, it's Trent. Yeah. I mean, people, you get so used to seeing Trent, you forget how young he is, but then we also spoke, I know obviously you're probably going to like me for saying this, but Saka as well. I mean, people, after the Euros campaign and the resilience that he has shown, the way he's improved, the way he drags Arsenal at times, bear in mind, for his age, he's been yeah. absolutely exquisite. And he's, again, he's durable. He can play fullback. He can play both sides. He's he's so direct. And he's just one of those players that, even when he was in the England squad, people were sort of like, Why? Because th- there's no one outstanding attribute, so people think, "What? What is he as a player?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been times this year where, he, like you said, as he did at times last year, where he's almost dragged this Arsenal team. Um, but the fact that he's played every single game this year, he's appeared in every game this year. I think I saw he's the first Englishman to do it for Arsenal since like Nigel Winterburn. Um, shows the impact he has, though. It shows. It shows how vital he is. The fact that yeah. we almost can't last without him. Um, but you do notice when he's not there, when he might go off with an injury or something. And I think near the end, I think the reason why he doesn't quite get it as young Perdi and probably why his stats have kind of slowed down a bit is probably because he is really tired. I've noticed him when I've watched him a couple of times last couple of weeks. He's looked tired. He's not looked the same. And I think I think he's been tired since the Euros. He's never really recovered. He's just carried on, carried on. Eventually, he's caught up with him. And I think a lot of players have had that after the Euros. It's difficult, but they've had a bit of time to sort of rest, whereas he probably hasn't. Yeah, he's been full throttle throughout. You know, his rest has been for League Cup games and stuff and FA Cup, maybe. Does that worry um, you when Europa League comes around? Because, obviously, we spoke about how your squad needs to sort of be revamped in terms of numbers. Um bringing in the right players and players like Saka who obviously every player needs a bit of time to sort of rest and, and not have the, the weight of the world on their shoulders but does it worry you because he can't play every game you'd think plus with the World Cup obviously coming up as well you'd think he's going to be playing even more games next season yeah I mean yeah I think that is one of um, I mean it looks like Pepe's out the door but it does look like we're trying to Sign a right wing, a white ringer. Um, <laughs> you can bench warm. <laughs> um, but obviously, we got we still got Reece Nelson out alone. Whether he comes back or not, you know, he's, he's had a, a really good season. He's a very he's a good year. You know, whether he can translate it for Arsenal, whether he needs it, whether it's time to hang up his boots at Arsenal. Um, you know, but 
yeah, we definitely need cover in that position because to rely on Saka like we did again this year for another year would just take us to he'll end up getting a long-term injury or something. Or that's that's the thing, gonna... man. It's difficult when you're a young player. It's like you, you break into the team and if you're that good, you're always in the team. Yeah. Same with, it's the same with Trent and players like this. And you don't want it to be like a Michael Owen where injuries just absolutely kill you. Because nowadays, yeah, their recovery is better and that sort of thing. But the amount of games players are playing is absolutely insane. No, yeah, it's ridiculous. And as you said, we had another competition on top of that. And, mm. you know, God God willing, we'll be going all the way in that one. Um, but, you know, and if we do, we'll be playing a lot more games. But, yeah, but I think, as I said, that tiredness did hit him a bit. And I think that's why him personally wasn't quite at the level come mm. the end of the season that he did at the start. But It's understandable. I mean, a lot of players have that dip. I mean, young, play, young players are hard, man. You can get yeah. it. You could say Reese James is in that category because, again, look at the improvements he's made. Um, there's so many. I mean, if you're looking at a really young player, even Jacob Ramsey for us, the way that he's come into the Villa team and he's 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 not just come in, he's he's been like, look, this is my place in the team. Scores goals, like he's a very likable character. Like these sorts of players. I mean, people have spoke about certain players and other teams, but. You've got to, it's got to be some sort of criteria. There's got to be something relative in terms of what are you comparing them to because players break into teams now so early yeah. that you feel like they're the same young player every season, but they don't even feel young anymore. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it catches up with them, doesn't it? Um, but yeah. yeah, in terms of young player of the year, mm. um, yeah, I mean, who who did you go with? I would say Trent, just because, again, you would think he's still a young player. <laughs> um, How old is he? Let me look. Uh, 1998, so he's two years older than me. So he'll be turning 24 this year. So he's 23 at the moment. Yeah, and I think it's under 23s, right? Um, well, it used to be. Um, he was actually nominated for it. Um, I just think, again, out of all the people, he, he just the numbers, man, and the way that he is playing, for me, for the best team in the world he's cemented that position he's like made that position his own and I think we'll look back at this similar to what we'd probably do with Ashley Cole and think especially in terms of the Premier League he has changed the fullback role again because it's not just an attacking fullback who's running down yeah. the wing doing crosses like the way he comes inside dictates play all of it it's a new way of fullbacking it almost becomes a central player really Exactly. So I just think I think I'd go with him. I mean, signing of the season is interesting. This has been a, this has been some debate, and I'm going to say one that you won't like. Um, <laughs> but signing of the season, people have said Saar. I mean, he he made our team of the year, so you'd think that we probably should go with that. People have said Luis Diaz because how can you go from playing for Porto and seamlessly transitioning into this team? Um, and the fact that Mane's had to change position because he's been that good. Yeah. Um, but I actually went for uh, a Tottenham player. <laughs> <laughs> so I went for Kulazewski. Um The reason, again, I mean, he's 22 years old, 12 goals um, and assists in 18 Premier League appearances. Um, the biggest thing for me, though, <laughs> is it's not about that output. It's It's about what it means to Spurs. So when I look at Spurs, obviously we've said about how reliant they are on Kane and Son, but for me, he sort of takes the pressure off a little bit or he almost makes it easier for Son to play because 
he is just as much of a threat on the other side. Um, I think he's big, he's powerful. I just, I just think he's a very shrewd signing. I know there's a loan. Um, they spoke about eighty mil for him and Romero as a partnership. Um, but I think he's been an absolute animal. Yeah. I understand that, and you can kind of understand why they're looking to make him a permanent deal as well. Um, yeah, I mean... I don't think they've had a player that have, have been that involved in goals for a very long time on both sides. I mean, yeah. I Lucas Moura was probably the mainstay, but that was probably down to his work rate rather than his actual output. But I think, yeah, to have another player other than Kane and so on have that much of an impact in the attack. Yeah, yeah They haven't had that for a while, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a tough one. For me, um, I think Christian Eriksen could be a bit of a shout. Huge He's done, shout. done really well with Brentford this year. Mm. Um, a lot of team of the years as well, I've seen. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people include me. I mean, um, it'd be great if they can um, get him to stay. Mm. Um, you know, potential there. I think he's, he's, he's like this time there. So there is potential. Um, Luis Diaz. I think he's the obvious one, but I again, outside of the Premier League, when you look at his effect in the cups, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I think he's had a bigger impact in that rather than the league. But rather, than, yeah. Again, he, the, the fact that Marnie's had to move position. Yeah, he said, this is my position. Get out of here. <laughs> I think if he, I think he's young. I think um, if 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 he really gets to the point where I think sometimes he misses a couple of chances he should score. That's the only downfall. But he's a young player. And if he can get as clinical as a Salah, mate, it's scary. It, it, it'll come. It'll come. He's young. Mm. Um, like you said, like we said earlier, when it comes to picking our player of the year, you know, Salah, you take him out and there's players who can come in and do a job. And he's one of them, I feel. Oh, yeah. And um, It'll be a start of next season, I think, most games. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, but uh, you not mentioned Aaron Ramsdale, mate. What, what a player? Ramsdale has had a huge impact at Arsenal, and I think a lot of people. I think our our late sorry our late fall from grace, as it were. Yeah. Has covered people's eyes to how good he's been. Yeah. Throughout the season. Yeah, I agree with that. I also um, I also want to still shout out my boy Coutinho. I know yes. we're going down our own clubs now, but. I think he has showed glimpses of his absolute immense quality. And I think the fact we've now got him permanently, um, the fact that he was getting probably more game time than he ever had, I think he sort of, he looked a bit off it at times. Maybe he was a bit tired, maybe he was a bit off it. But everything we did went through him when he plays. And and I think he he's he's just a phenomenon, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is some player. To get him for that cheap. Uh, yeah, and seven, now as well. million. Yeah, and now people will look at that and think, yeah, I want to join Villa. And that I think that summarises the Camara deal because it was pretty much nailed on, apparently, that he was joining Atletico Madrid. Mm. So for us to, to, to steal him, sort of from Simeone's grasp, might be down to financial reasons, but the fact of playing in the Premier League, the fact of being under Gerrard, being at Villa, which is a huge club, being with Coutinho's and players like this, being at a team that's probably a bit more expansive, even though he's not that type of player. It's yeah, so yeah. Um, with Ramsdale, I was gonna say, like, I think the fact that he came in when we signed him, what for what, about 30 odd million, you know, he got slated even by our own fans, like, proper bad it was. Um, coming in as a, a number two, really, 
And ultimately, I mean, I know it was a poor start from us and that's probably why Leno lost his place and he got the chance, but ultimately he took the opportunity. Mm. It was huge. It was massive. He had so much pressure riding him and the fact that everyone saw about the fact that what well, he got relegated three times uh, with different teams, you know, it was a lot of pressure coming into it and he, he settled in really well and, you know, some of the saves he's pulled off the season. I, I, if we were to do a save of the season, I think he wins it for that free kick against Leicester. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, and even his impact in the offensive side of things, like his, his distribution is phenomenal. Some of his passes and not just in the air, on the ground as well. Yeah. You, you can almost slot him in at midfield and he'd do a job. Like, I think mm. I was I was listening to the podcast with Peter Crouch where he was on it and he's talking about, you know, they're almost becoming a third centre-half now, goalies. They're getting they properly involved. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you could tell me more about that as the coaching man, but yeah, you can almost see it like, how we try and play out from the back, like it's scary at times, but you know it works mo- more time than not. I think with the pace forward lines have now as well, it, it just creates so much space um, for you if you're building from your keeper and everyone's quite compact in midfield. The space behind is just crazy. No, I mean, you? I mean that's why for me, Allison, without a limit, would have been in my team because he allows Liverpool to play so much higher up the pitch, allows them to suffocate them, but then. I think Jared Bowen was saying on a podcast, um, Ben Foster's podcast, he was saying, when Alisson's there, you literally don't even have time to look up. You just have to shoot because he's yeah. there so quick. Um, but yeah, I think that modern day goalkeeping, I think Ramsdale's been, been terrific and he'll definitely be going to the World Cup for me. I think he, I don't I don't think he's going to be our number one, but I think he'll be going to the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he turned 24 nine days ago, so can I still slot him in as young player here? <laughs> well, but the, the trouble is, he, he's a, he's he is a young and he's a baby in terms of goalkeeping. So, I I would be gobsmacked if after maybe the Pickford number one era is out the window if he isn't there or thereabouts anyway. Especially yeah. you now he's playing for a big club, um, in Arsenal. So, okay. yeah. thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, actually, yeah, one final category, um, manager of the year. Well, I went from Eddie Eddie Al. Yeah, I mean, are we looking just Premier League? Or are we looking a uh, oh yeah, yeah Premier League, Premier League, Premier League? Yeah, I think there's no debate in Eddie Howe in terms of the impact he's had. Um, I mean, it's always difficult not to go with Klopp or Guardiola because of the standards that they set um, yeah. and the way that they, especially Klopp, has been able to fight on all fronts. Um, so in terms. It's almost expected from them, isn't it? Yeah, but in terms of excluding those two, it's got to be Eddie Howe. And I think as well, Graham Potter, I think he, he's been terrific. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Eddie Howe's been phenomenal. Um, I think uh, Potter just misses out because I think they had a very good start to the year. I think they kind of um, tailed off a bit. I think the trouble is people look at Eddie Howe and think, look at the money they can spend, blah, blah, blah. But they've been well measured in terms of the transfers they've made. I think... And it, it's not about spending money. Fulham come up and spent how much? Villa spent so much. Didn't yeah. really improve us. So I think they've been quite smart so far, dare I say it. But yeah, I think he's been the best. The, the, in terms of the way they've changed the way they play football as well in a short short space of time. And a lot of those players you'd look at originally, especially under like Benitez as championship players. Yeah. Um, but he will improve them, and he did it with Bournemouth, and I think he's a terrific coach, absolutely terrific. Yeah, I think like majority of the players he's 
dealt with this year have been, you know, as you said, championship quality. And it's not like they've changed the entire team yet. You know, give it a, give it a couple of months. But at the minute, it's relatively the same. And he's managed to transform and transform the way they've played, you know, um, to a very threatening team, especially to play against at St. James's Park. You know, I mean, it's always been somewhat of a fortress, but really has been now. It's a place that people don't really want to visit. And, um, yeah, I mean, they're only going to get better with this uh, exactly. this money they've got. But so far, as you said, transfer-wise, they've been very clever with their mm-hmm. moves. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see how long that continues. But Mbappe's obviously... Uh... <laughs> yeah, so they'll have to miss out on him. <laughs> Neymar it is. <laughs> Neymar it is. They'll have to settle with Neymar. Oh, well. <laughs> exactly. So... That's a roundup, mate. I think it is, um, yeah. I think, and it's very good that we have a similar sort of view, which I think is quite interesting as well. Yeah, and it's, uh, it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> exactly, mate. So, without but, further ado, I think that's we'll it, be, yeah. be holding more pods in terms of transfers, in terms of big moves coming up, and obviously closer to next season in terms of predictions and things as well. But it's been a blessed, blessed season. Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> oh, All right, oh well. well. Anyway. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much, guys, for listening. Thank you, Steve, for, as always, being here and giving your expert analysis. Uh, until next time, guys, we'll see you later. Cheers, cheers, bye.